The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. And we're in. We're in. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc., the podcast that answers the question, what if we were your best friends and we hung out all the time, but we never let you say anything? (laughs) I think from what I've heard, that's kind of what it's like to date one of us. And we we never responded to your DMs. (laughs) No, that's what it's like to be my friend. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I made macarons today. How'd they go? I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, it seems like you learned to value the advancement of kitchen appliances. Mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. went into it thinking like, I don't need an electric mixer. And then an hour into beating these freaking egg whites, I was like, I think that um, maybe I might need an electric mixer. That's incredible. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about today? What? Remember when we used to take full shots before we recorded? No, 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 no. I don't think we ever took a full shot before we recorded. We used to just split a half shot. Our version of a full shot. Yeah, yeah. But remember before that when we would like go to a bar and drink like a full shot and have like multiple of them? Just like every couple of hours, someone would just be like, should we have a shot? (laughs) We would be like, yeah, I guess so. And we'd also have a beer with it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I partially blame bartending on that and, and like serving the service industry. Yeah. For normalizing that. Oh, yeah. We used to do a thing at the restaurant that shall not be named where we would go, I'm feeling really unsafe. I think we should have a safety meeting. And then a bunch of us would just, like, take full shots. (laughs) Was this at the bar I worked at? Yeah. Okay. We would take full shots in plain view of all the customers. Customers can, like, buy you drinks. Yeah, but we just bought them for ourselves with no money. No, I I know. It's just like, that's also insane. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's insane that like at your job. You're just like openly drunk on the job. You're like kind of encouraged to be. Yeah, it's for sure not like legal, I don't think. Oh, but it's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) You're a bad influence. I really enjoyed it. Kids, don't do that. (laughs) I miss it. No. (laughs) 
Sometimes when I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I kind of miss going into work at 4 p.m. and then just drinking with my friends and making like $200 for doing I that. I thought that I felt that way when I went from serving to PAing. <clears throat> and then I went back to bartending and serving and realized that like I was wrong, like for me personally, because when I like now when I look back I'm like oh I lost like four years of my life that I just like don't really remember what happened because we were just like drinking all the time and then it's like you work late so you're out late so you sleep for like half the day and then you wake up and roll into work at like four and then you just do it over again and I'm like what even like I wasn't like living my life you know what I mean yeah but now what now like I don't know maybe I just hate working I need to marry rich (laughs) Yeah, I like that you're thinking outside the box. Yeah, and then I can just, like, make macarons wrong all day. Or you could get a normal job. Because, like, serving is not a normal job. Have I told you the story of the first day I ever had a real job? No. Well, I think you have, but I've forgotten it. And certainly no one else has ever heard it. So let's – I'll tell you. You should tell it. My mom loves this story because – I can't decide if it's because she uses it as, like, a demonstration as, like, she just is, like, so creative and unique or, like, she's such a useless piece of garbage, can't do anything. <laughs> but I was working as an intern for the company where my dad worked, and it was, like, a direct marketing company. And I went to the first half of my first day, and I had a job, like, I sat at a cubicle and, like, tippity-tapped in Excel. And then by lunch, I was like, this can't possibly be true. And I went up to my dad's office, and I, like, laid on the couch, and I just went, do people do this all day, every day? Yeah. And he was like, yep. And I was like, how? Oh, my God. So... (laughs) And then I did that every day for the rest of the summer. I can't believe that you were given, like, the numbers internship, like, in the Excel. Like, you're the tippity-tap in Excel intern. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds horrible. It no was. Offense. Anyway. Um, I think it's time I finally come clean about something that I've been lying about for years, which is that I am not proficient in Excel. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be in I'm a so lot sorry of you all had to find out this way. How many... <laughs> notarized documents say that about you well technically no notarized documents say that but pretty much every piece of paper i've ever handed to a boss said that i notarized every single one without my permission i was just right behind you like around the corner (laughs) every time notarizing it silently you're the worst friend you're in a lot of legal trouble young lady What are we here for? I think we're going to do our non-traditional job. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. I'm the business one. I'm the one that does the tippity-tap in Excel. Yeah. You got any tips or taps? Um, Just that I think maybe we should release one of our new pieces of merch today. (gasps) Do you agree? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, great. So if you're listening to this, then I think our new piece of merch dropped today. So enjoy those Buckle the Buck Up (laughs) t-shirts. I'm so excited. There will be a link in the show notes and a link in the bio of our Instagram and our TikTok. And there will also be a link on our website, mysteryteaming.com. 
And there will also be a link in our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All right. Do you have any more business? No. Are you ready for a mystery? Born ready. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. So I have a um, short and sweet one for you today. Oh, wait. We have to quack the beers. Oh, ceremonial quacking. I don't even have a beer. Oh, I do. I've got a ice cold Heineken, baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you get that out of the the extra fridge in your parents' garage? Mmm. <laughs> it tastes like high school. <laughs> <laughs> who drinks Heineken besides dads who are trying to quit drinking? I got it from my my sister. I think my sister had like a a house guest. Uh-huh. Who brought Heineken. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. 100%. She was like, please, please take this away from me. Yeah. I, I don't want it. To me, and this is just me. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. <laughs> In case you couldn't tell, this is not an ad. This is not how we talk this about sponsored like products. Maybe just me, but to me, all Heineken tastes like it's already been skunked. Like, am I wrong? I know some people feel that way about Stella. People say that, like, Stella tastes like weed. I feel like Heineken more. It does. I I have an idea maybe why. Because it's the kind of beer you drink when you're, like, 23. This Mm -hmm. is – I'm going to pull from some really specific memories right now. When you're 23 and your, like, friend works at a restaurant and, like, they have friends who work at that restaurant and you go to a, like, nighttime pool party with them. Mm Mm-hmm to the house of someone who works at that restaurant in like I don't know maybe Burbank and (laughs) let's make up an imaginary place let's call it Burbank (laughs) and like they have Heineken there like that's what this tastes like to me Heineken if you want to give us money I bet we could come up with something better than that (laughs) Just, just pitching just a soft pitch it doesn't taste bad. It just tastes like that vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we'll quack that to like, I don't know, our early 20s. To our early 20s, to first jobs. Oh, my God. Anyway, are you ready? I'm so, so ready. Okay. I'm fuckled the buck up. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Okay. Um, this is another short but sweet this week. And this one is courtesy of my mother. <gasps> she suggested it. She, I haven't told her that I'm doing it, but I presume she'll be excited. So this is the mystery of the lost and then found and then lost again treasure of the SS Central America. I'm so excited. <laughs> Oh, my God. Treasure. (laughs) Treasure. And a boat. Sorry. Treasure and a boat. (laughs) I'm thrilled. Okay. So our story begins on August 24th, 1857, when the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company announced that its New York offices were closing operations. I hope they had insurance. (laughs) No, that's part of the problem. (laughs) So during the Crimean War, European farm labor 
was all in the military. So Europe began to rely on American crops. So the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company made a lot of large investments in American agriculture. And then when the Crimean War ended, the Europeans were able to return to work on their farms and American crops plummeted in value and lost people a lot of money. And people were afraid that the collapse of the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company would set off a domino effect and, like, tank the entire economy. Can I just say that's what happens when you put all your money in stocks? Do not even get me fucking <laughs> started. Stocks. On it? stonks. Oh, st- <laughs> stocks. I. Like corn stocks. Yeah, no, I, yeah. But we can talk about stonks if you want. Let me just I don't really understand. Quickly, just a quick he, I have asked a number of men to explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did they just faint right away because that's like they like got so excited. Like when a dog gets or like those yeah. sheep that get like those goats that fall asleep because they get so excited. <laughs> yes. Fainting goats. You asked a man about stocks and he didn't faint? I asked You were two like men. please explain it to me? <laughs> I the funny thing is I made them both really angry because yeah. I think they think they thought I was willfully misunderstanding <laughs> because I get caught up in the like minutia of the yeah. idea behind it as opposed to like the actual real life application of it. And a lot of the time they would just go, you just have to accept that this is how this part is. Right. But it's I like can't. you when you're trying to explain like time travel to me. Yeah. You're like, you just have to accept this thing about wormholes. Like, we don't know if it's, it just is what it is. This I doesn't can't, make sense without it. I can't accept it. Yeah. It makes me furious. But my main problem with it is that it's all fake. Right. So what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all. That's all I have to say. I thought I was going to learn something about stocks. No, you, I couldn't. Still couldn't explain it to you. So people were afraid that the collapse of the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company would set off a domino effect and tank the economy. So a group of financial institutions got together and they hatched a plan. They arranged for a very large amount of gold to be transported from Panama to New York to bail out the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company. So, on September 3rd, 1857, the SS Central America left Panama with 477 passengers, 101 crew members, and 9.1 tons of gold, valued at $2.1 million in 1857 money, which I read was around $625 million in 2020 money, I think. Oh, my God. Um, that's insane. It's so much money. Yeah, because at that time, everyone was like, oh, I make two shillings a day working at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Like, they did not make shillings at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, sir? <laughs> what, sure, brain, but what are we going to do with the treasure when we get it to New York? Well, Pinky. We're going to lose it again. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's exactly what they did. They're pinky. They're pinky <laughs> and the rain, 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 rain. Enough. Uh, okay. So they made a stop in Havana. <laughs> that's the whitest you've ever sounded. <laughs> Havana. In um, so in they Mexico? made a stop in Havana, Cuba. <laughs> That's how they say it. That's how the locals say it. Yeah, right. right I right. learned that when I studied abroad in Cuba. In Cuba. Mm-hmm. Why did I have a study abroad program in Cuba from my university? I made my own major, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you go to Gallatin? <laughs> so they stopped in Havana. They were on schedule. They made the pit stop without incident, and they left without incident. Everything was fine. Several days into the voyage from Cuba to New York. Hold on. I have a plane. I do, too. It's the same plane. (laughs) We are but one Maybe. Wait, no, that's not the one I wanted to sing. I wanted to sing. Somewhere. Oh, you just picked a different out the window song. Matt and I, whenever we were near each other and a plane went by, I would go, hey, and I would tap him and look up and I would go, do you ever wonder where they're going? (laughs) He would get so mad. (laughs) Do you ever wonder where they're going? Tucson. (laughs) Tucson. Burbank to lamp. Tucson. Burbank. Oh, what a sad flight. Ugh. <laughs> so some, upset. For some reason, Burbank to Tucson <laughs> just sounds like how a Heineken taste. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. God, we're making a lot of enemies tonight. It's just you know what? Fucking burn it down. I don't care. (laughs) Burn it down. There are worse enemies to have than Heineken and Heineken and Tucson and Tucson. (laughs) Come at me, Tucson. Got him. (laughs) Got him. Um. Okay. Sorry. So, several days into the voyage from Cuba to New York, the wind picked up and the sea started to get a little choppy. Then on September 9th. The SS Central America sailed right into a Category 2 hurricane off the coast of the Carolinas. No. By September 11th, 105-mile-per-hour winds and heavy seas had shredded the ship's sails, and she was taking on water rapidly. No. One of the seals between the paddle wheel and the side of the ship sprung a leak, and then by noon that day, the boiler couldn't maintain a fire. No. The people on board formed a bucket brigade that I believe I read lasted 30 hours trying to get some of the water off the ship. Um, There was a lull in the storm and some crew members tried to get the boiler working again, but they couldn't. And then the second half of the storm hit. And without power, the ship was carried along by the storm until the next morning, two ships were spotted And they managed to get the ships next to each other, and 153 passengers, mainly women and children, were able to board lifeboats and make it to the ships 
before the SS Central America was pulled away again by the heavy seas and winds. The SS Central America sank at 8 p.m. that night. 425 people died. 50 people were rescued from the water by a Norwegian bark called Ellen. And three people were rescued a week later in a lifeboat. And the 9.1 tons of gold were lost. I like the boat named Ellen. Me too. She's Norwegian, so it's more like Ellen. You're on fire tonight. <laughs> I'm, I had one quarter of a Diet Coke. <laughs> so I am riding high. Okay. Flash forward to the 1980s. <laughs> Big hair. Rock music playing on the tape player. High waist jeans and chunky belts. <laughs> it doesn't get better than this, folks. Acid wash. Neon. Everything. Yeah. We were riding high. Everyone was high. Yeah. Reagan's about to take office. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's all downhill from here, folks. So flash forward to the 1980s. Tommy Gregory Thompson is a galaxy-brained genius with a degree in ocean engineering working for a company called Battelle Memorial Institute, where he, among other things, developed technology that allowed the United States government to extract information from a sunken Soviet nuclear sub, all while disguising it as the routine work of an oil rig. Nice. So he's brilliant. But Tommy wanted to do exclusively deep sea engineering, and the only way to do that is to either work for the government, yuck, or become a treasure hunter. Yes. So he set out to find a treasure to hunt. This is amazing. He teamed up with fellow galaxy-brained genius, geologist Bob Evans, and they decided they wanted to find the treasure of the SS Central America. Yay. One article I read said that finding the SS Central America would be like, quote, finding a grain of sand on the floor of a four-bedroom house. Are we talking hardwood or carpet? Oh, well, I guess it was the 80s, so. So shag. shag. Leftover shag, really. Mm -hmm. So they decided to take a scientific approach to finding the treasure, and they teamed up with a search theory expert, which is a super cool job I didn't know you could have. I love this job. They took every factual detail they could get, and they used that to narrow down the search area to a 1,400-square-mile grid 160 miles off the coast of Charleston, South Carolina. They secured $12.1 million in funding from 161 investors. Um, Tommy started two companies under which they worked. There was the Recovery Limited Partnership and the Columbus America Discovery Group. They also developed a completely groundbreaking, water-breaking technology uh, in the form of their unmanned deep-sea vessel that they named Nemo. And this is how it worked. This is a direct quote. The robotic arms of the submersible gingerly placed a frame around a pile of coins and injected it with silicone, which, when solidified, made for a block full of gold that could be stored until it was ready to be brought to the surface. <gasps> cool. How fucking cool is that? That's really cool. Genius. So 
They built Nemo, they outfitted a ship, and they officially launched their search in June of 1986. That summer, they found absolutely nothing. The summer of 1987, they spent a lot of time investigating a wreck that turned out to just be a different (laughs) ship. No. And then finally, on September 12th, 1988, they found the SS Central America. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And and that's where we're going to take a break. (gasps) A break. Take a break. Run away with us for the summer. Let's go upstate. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We'll be right back after these messages. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. We're back. Welcome to Soothing Existential Nighttime Radio. Tonight, is there a point at which scientific advancement stops improving our quality of life? And if so, have we hit it? And later, are any of us really better than Tucson? I'm sorry, Tucson. Like, I don't think no. L.A. is better than Tucson, to be honest. I bet it's not. Right. Anyway, are you ready to continue the story of this treasure? Yes. All right. So, they found the treasure on September 12th, 1988. Yay. From 1988 to 1991, Tommy and his crew recovered $10 million worth of gold bars, gold coins, and other artifacts. And that was only about 5% of the total treasure. Then, 35 insurance companies that were in operation in 1857 and paid out damages at the time got wind of the find and filed a lawsuit. (sighs) Because they were like, that's our money. It's just taken 130 years to get here. So they sued. Oh my god. They suspended the recovery operation in 1991 due to the lawsuits. And eventually, after like a lot of back and forth, in 1998, Tommy was awarded 92.5% of the treasure. Yeah, because here's the thing. The insurance companies didn't fund the fucking expedition. If they wanted their money so bad, they should have paid someone to go get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, their argument was that the technology didn't exist to find it until 1988 but then it's like it only existed because he made it (laughs) right so why didn't you pay him to make it if you wanted it so bad why didn't you go find someone who was a fucking jimmy neutron boy genius uh, maritime engineer (laughs) and say we really need this money sir here's two million dollars to go find it yeah you don't get to just like wait until he finds it and then be like that's mine Yeah, 100%. So they awarded him 92.5% of the treasure. But at this point, Tommy was in really big trouble with his investors because they had not received any return. 
despite the fact that he had found the treasure. What was he doing with it? That's a good question. Oh, no. In 2000, Tommy sold hundreds of gold bars and coins to the California Gold Marketing Group for $50 million. Oh, my God. Cash for gold? It was cash for gold. Oh, no. Did he call that 877 number? Cars? On the no, infomercials? Cars for kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucked up. Okay, go on. The investors apparently had no idea that he was even making the sale. And Tommy told them that they would be seeing none of the money because his companies had spent $30 million on legal fees. That sucks because it's like you spent like your life's work and all your money on like finding the treasure and then you found the fucking treasure, but then you spent it all so you could keep it. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2001, an agreement that had restructured the companies under which they were exploring was amended in secret. Who is doing all this secret notarizing? (laughs) Me. The notarizing was coming from inside the house. (laughs) I was the notary your parents warned you about. (laughs) We are the daughters of the notaries you couldn't burn. We are the notaries of the daughters you couldn't burn. (laughs) We are the daughters of the note. Wait, we are the witches of the notaries that your daughters couldn't burn. Bumper sticker idea. I would watch that season of American Horror Story. <laughs> Let's put it on a shirt. We're just making shirts now, so we can they can say whatever we want. That's true. They are our shirts. Yeah. So the amendment gave Tommy a two point one million dollar payout and five hundred restrikes minted from gold found in the wreckage that were valued at two point five million dollars. Those restrikes were originally meant to compensate the investors, and Tommy took them without approval from his board. Thomas? Thomas! So, then, in 2000... You're all bloody pirates! (laughs) It's so funny because none of these people are pirates. They're all just nerds. Yeah. Like, some of them are finance nerds, some of them are tech nerds, like... Kayla, you said boat, so I'm sorry. You said boat and 1857, so it's all pirates all the way down from here it was, for me. It was probably, it was at least like ship dudes in the beginning. Yeah. Sailors? No, no. <laughs> ship dudes. We are the sailors of the daughters. Your witches couldn't burn. <laughs> So, in 2005, two investors teamed up to sue Tommy for breach of contract and fiduciary duty. And then... Gotta stick on that fiduci. (laughs) Can't forget your fiduci dudes, you know? Listen, man, you totally dropped your fiduci dudes. (laughs) Unacceptable, man. That's not how the brotherhood works. Mm-mm. If we assign you fiduci dudes, <laughs> you gotta fiduci do them. 
That was really good, man. I love that. Thank you. Anyway, we said to Bro, I'm sorry death. we're fighting. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Todd, we talked about this in the basement, remember? <laughs> Over flip call. Todd. <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. I was really drunk and I forgot. I had too much Heineken. Two investors sued him, and then in 2006, they were joined by nine sonar techs who claimed they were owed their cut of 2% of the profit plus interest. Uh, Nothing happened until 2012 when U.S. District Judge Edmund Sargis ordered Tommy to produce the restrike coins or swear under oath he didn't know where they were. Either give them to me or lie. (laughs) (laughs) So after I thought that was really silly. What's it gonna be? I thought it was like, can you can do the one thing you don't want to do, or <laughs> you cannot do it, <laughs> but you have to lie. <laughs> so after a few hearings, during which he revealed nothing helpful, Tommy just like stopped going. He like stopped showing up. And he wrote to the judge. Oh, my God. And he said he'd never had the coins in his possession. He thought that maybe they were in a trust in Brazil that he didn't have access to. But, like, he didn't know where they were. And the judge did not believe him. And on August 6th, Tommy was ordered to either give up the coins or be put in prison. And on August 13th, he did not show up to his court date, and a warrant was officially issued for his arrest. So it quickly became clear that nobody knew where Tommy was. So they went to his girlfriend and secretary, Allison Antikier, and they were like, you have to tell us where he is. And then that November, when she was supposed to show up to court to testify about where he was, she disappeared. And everyone assumed that they were together somewhere, like, rolling in millions of dollars and hanging out with their 500 gold coins. Uh, Tommy was officially charged with contempt of court, and the task of finding him was handed over to the U.S. Marshals. In 2013, with Tommy completely MIA, a judge ruled that his businesses were in a state of, quote, great disarray and insolvency, and handed over the rest of the recovery of the treasure to a company called Odyssey Marine Exploration with the explicit goal of bringing back the rest of the gold and making sure that the investors got their cut. The new recovery began in April 2014, and they brought up more than 45 gold bars, 15,500 coins, and hundreds of artifacts. So they did it. Yay, they did it. On January 27th, 2015... U.S. Marshals found Tommy Gregory Thompson and Allison Antikyer in a hotel room in the Hilton Boca Raton Suites. Of course. They had in their possession fake IDs, burner phones, voice-changing equipment, info about which countries don't have extradition treaties with the U.S., and $430,000 in cash. Cuba. (laughs) He's like, I actually traveled abroad there in college. (laughs) We could stay with my host family. (laughs) My brother, Ricardo. (laughs) 
My host brother. My brother. Ricardo. Ricardo. <laughs> we used to vamos a la playa together all the time. It was, like, so immersive, you know? Like, I really got to yeah. understand the culture and, like, the day-to-day yeah. lives. Yeah. I would just spend all day at the biblioteca. And sometimes, like, I I would tell people where the baño was. <laughs> it, like, really began to feel like home or, like, mi casa. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So Tommy and Allison were arrested and shipped back to Ohio. And on April 8th, 2015, they appeared in the courtroom of Judge Algernon Marbley in Columbus, Ohio, and they both pleaded guilty to criminal contempt. Allison was given a $5,000 fine and two months of probation after serving one month in jail. Tommy was given two years and a $250,000 fine. And as part of his plea deal, he agreed to turn over the $425,000 in cash that they seized in Florida and to divulge the location of the 500 coins. So, every month for four years, he had a video conference with Judge Marbley. Oh, my God. In which he was asked to reveal the location of the coins. And in which he did not reveal the location of the coins. Oh, my God. So in November of 2018, Tommy went to trial. And the prosecution revealed that Tommy had a bank account in the Cook Islands with more than $4 million in it. And they also revealed that when the new recovery operation went down to the wreck, they found gold laid out on trays on the ocean floor. And in the lawyer's words, quote, I mean, like, trays you buy at Target, not 1857 trays. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so the prosecution was like, he's clearly shady. He stashed this extra gold here and didn't tell anybody about it so he wouldn't have to make a payout on it. Also, can I tell you, in case you forgot from our Blackbeard episode, the Cook Islands is where the pirates would hide their fucking treasure. That is amazing. Told you it was pirates. So Tommy admitted, yes, I did have gold that I didn't tell anyone about, but I only put it there as bait so that if I no. returned to the site and those were taken, I would know that no. someone from my that wasn't from my team had been there. I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I cannot. You're correct. It's not like when you put like a piece of clear tape on your bedroom door to make sure that your parents <laughs> didn't like go in there while you were at school. You hid like you, millions like, of dollars. Tie a worth. hair around your diary. Yeah. Yeah. It's mil- millions of dollars of worth of gold. And he owed so many people money. Like, why didn't you just say there's a Target myelin tray (laughs) at this location, use it, and then take me the tray back so I can return it and get my money back? Yeah. Why didn't you just say that there's plenty of under-the-bed storage full of gold? (laughs) There's always money in the Target storage, Michael. (laughs) You know what's funny is I was going to say that this whole story with the secretary reminded me of Arrest <laughs> Development, where she, like, runs off yeah. to Mexico with the cooler. That's so true. Oh, my God. That's so true. There's always money in the target trays, Michael. <laughs> so 
So Tommy also admitted that he took the 500 gold coins as remuneration that he felt that he was owed. Remuneration? I've never heard that word before. Maybe I made it up. <laughs> I'm not saying you did. I'm just saying I learned a new word. It's money paid for work or a service. Here's, okay, can I just tell you about this one article I read now that we're talking about yeah. this fucking word? This yeah. article used some words that I was like, you needn't have used that word. Let me yeah. find, actually find this because. It's like when I found out that it's pronounced barbiturates and yeah. I lost my fucking mind. There was one word that I didn't even bother looking up because it pissed me off that they used it so much. <laughs> I have to find it for you. Okay. Found it. It's absquatulated. <laughs> oh, my God. And it just means to leave abruptly. You could have used any other any word for that. Word. Uh, the sentence is, the U.S. Marshal Mike Stroh had been after the couple since they'd absquatulated from Ohio two no, years earlier. No, Just no. say left. Yeah, yeah. Just say they left Ran Ohio. Away. Absconded. Anyway, so that's where we get, that's how we get the word remuneration in there instead of just like payment. Absquatulated. I'm never going to get over that I'm word. never going to use that word. That's going to be the title of my hunting Sasquatch documentary. <laughs> Absquatulation. I mean, Bigfoot really does absquatulate from everything. I know. I know. And he's a squatch. Aw. Hey, man. Did you see that squatch? <laughs> squatch. Uh, so they absquatulated. Uh, no. He, so he said he took the 500 gold coins as remuneration. And he also said that he'd arranged to transfer the coins around the country with an unknown person over the phone. Hmm. And Allison testified that between 2006 and 2010, she moved the coins from California to a safe deposit box in Jacksonville, Florida, and then in suitcases to a storage facility in Fort Lauderdale where she gave them to a stranger who was supposed to transfer them to an irrevocable trust in Belize. And basically, once an irrevocable trust is set up, it's irrevocable. The person who opened it can't access it unless the named beneficiaries grant permission. No one really knows who the beneficiary is for this trust, but apparently the bank that it's in is managing the trust and they just, like, won't say anything. It's kind of unclear. But it seems that there's a possibility that, like, he really can't access the coins. <laughs> so the court ruled that Tommy owed a total of $19.4 million. He is still in prison. And he is being fined $1,000 a day for every day he doesn't reveal the location of the coins. Dude, why, at this point, why would you not? Because, I don't know. And something I read said, like, people were like, why? Like, the people who are suing him have now spent more money than they, like, are due to get yeah. back. 
Right. And they're kind of just being like, it's about the principle of the thing. That's a pretty expensive principle. Yeah. And Tommy will be released from prison when he reveals the location of the coins. <gasps> oh, my God. That's the his sentence. is like, until you tell us where they are, you're here. So he's sitting in jail. Mm-hmm. And he has to pay $1,000 a day mm-hmm. when he could not be in jail and not have to pay $1,000 a day if he just told them where they are. Uh-huh. And they don't believe that he doesn't know where they are. He currently, I think, has an appeal out, but it doesn't look good. Well, I am just absolutely absquatulated. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I've never been more obsquatulated in my life. (laughs) Kim just doesn't understand that she is obsquatulating this whole family. Courtney is literally so annoying. She uses these big words. Like, anybody knows what she's talking about. And it's like... Who are you trying to impress? Scott? <laughs> no, Scott absquatulated. Scott did absquatulate. <laughs> so that is the mystery of the lost and then found and then lost again treasure of the SS Central America. Where is it? We don't know. Probably Belize. Boca Raton? <laughs> Havana? Havana, Cuba. Wow. That was fun. Yeah, thank you to my mother for that one. Thanks for that, Susan. Thanks, Sue. Yeah, I I th- think that he genuinely doesn't know where they are. I can't imagine that he does know where they are because why would you choose, like, why would you elect to stay in prison and pay $1,000 a day if you knew where they were? One thing that I read suggested that maybe he was doing it to, like, protect his children financially. So I don't know if it's, like, if you're in prison, like your debt is fake until you get out and then it becomes real. I don't real. think it is. Is it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how he's paying that money. Because my thing also is like if he dies, then his children will owe that money to the government. So like, is he just like staying in there? I don't know. I think you do. I really have- it's a good question, actually. Yeah, Do because, you have to pay that debt while you're in prison? Yeah, but it's also like you can't, like he can't pay $1,000 a day. He doesn't have money. Yeah, yeah. So it's like fake debt, really. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, it's like the stock except, market. <laughs> except it's not, though, because like if, let's just say like if he died tomorrow, his kids would be expected to pay that. They'd be on the hook for it. That is so fucked up. I know. But he really, I really don't think he knows. <laughs> I really don't I think can't he imagine knows. that he does because how, why would you? I don't know. It I don't make know. Any sense. I've been it's thinking a fucking about mystery. it. It's, I mean, we don't know. And neither does he, unfortunately. He should have stayed in his lane. He did. When he stole all that money? Oh, you're right. I was just thinking about <laughs> when he found the treasure. No, that part was cool. But then when he stole it all, it was not cool. Yeah. Good mystery. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to my mystery. Go check out our new shirts. Uh, link in show notes and in bios. Yeah. And this is just the first of a, 
a number. A, yeah, we have like a couple of other shirts coming out. We're still working on them. I think we want to release them all at once, so that's what's happening. Um, but we do have a couple of other designs coming out as well. So stand by and buckle the buck up. We don't know. Stay in your treasure lane. Golden Wait. smooches. <laughs> I was going to say litigious smooches, yeah. but the word absquatulated from my brain. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, good night. Good night. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.